You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another season of television to talk about this episode with season two of Timeless. But before we get into that, let's meet our cast for this week. So, first up, battling on death's door itself. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to us almost straight from the hospital is Jen Harshtorn. Well, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration. I've I've had a hell of a cough this week, but I have been uh, I've been mainlining the the tea with lemon and honey, and I am here. Well, I am very glad that you uh, that you made the effort despite all the all the health issues you were having oh, uh, this no week. Problem, no, no problem at all. Happy. Good, good. Well, you know, I mean, some of your posts on Facebook, I was starting to get a little worried about you. I'm a drama llama, you know that. (laughs) Well, you know, I like a little hyperbole myself, which is why you got that introduction. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, I think it's, it's probably, uh, it's probably had had uh, I always want to call it Timegate, uh, Who Lanta in between uh, now and the last time, which is always an awesome, fun time. That's the uh, Doctor Who convention here in Atlanta, and enjoyed that very much. And if I were not feeling poorly right now, I would be coming to you from the hotel of Con Casterberus in Alabama, but and, and getting to meet Mark Shepard, which would be awesome, but I think that probably coughing all over Mark Shepard would not be <laughs> not, not, not be a good look. <laughs> so I am coming to you from my humble domicile instead. Well, I'm glad that you've made the effort. Even though the con lost you, it's our gain, and, and that you're here with the 42 cast. True debt. True debt. All right. So next up is uh, the man that you love to hate. He needs no further introduction at that point. this point because he's been on so many episodes. And that is my buddy Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, you know, I'm not at a con either, unfortunately. Mm. But I am glad that apparently the source of this year's con crud decided not to go to, to con. So, you know, I guess... That that's neat. What what is the source? The concrete. Oh oh oh, J- oh oh oh! I see. I see what you're saying. I see you get. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, if, if I have to explain it, it loses something. Well, that was just one con though. There's a patient zero at every con. <laughs> but otherwise, I don't think I mentioned this the last time I was on. But after a little over two years of playing, I have achieved level forty on Pokemon Go, and I felt really good about myself until someone told me that someone else did it in three days so (laughs) that was a letdown so it's achieving level 40 like turning 40 well (laughs) are you now over the hill as far as pokemon go plays pokemon it it caps out at 40 you can't get any higher than that oh okay whereas in real life after 40 it's just downhill so yeah yeah, (laughs) 
if I froze at 40 in real life, I would be fine with that. <laughs> you know? I was wondering why level 40 was such a big deal. Now I get it. You have, you have hit the cap. I've hit the cap. Exactly. Uh, okay, yes. okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is what I get for never playing I, it. <laughs> eh, you know. Okay. I mean, it's game over. I guess I could try and keep collecting all the Pokemon I don't have. Or mm-hmm. I could be happy with what, you know hitting the maximum level and i'm not happy with that well so until they release an update that allows you to go to level 100 or something yeah i don't know why they picked 40 but that's maybe maybe because they're the, in the same boat and they think it in real life it just ends there you know? <laughs> as i've probably offended so many people and you just did too so ryan um what what else anything else going on since the last time you were on uh the last time i was on was like a week ago at <laughs> that time no <laughs> Yeah, but when they release, they're going to be all out of order anyway, Ryan, so you can talk about anything. All right, anything. fine, then. You know what? In that time, I've achieved a Nobel Prize, and uh, I've had si- I've had to turn down six dates with supermodels. Oh. True story. <laughs> How does your wife feel about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't say if they were male or female. Uh, okay. She might be cool with it. Oh, okay. I was about to say, I would think she would still have a problem with it. But... <laughs> yeah, she <yeah>. would. <laughs> It depends if she got any dates, too. We we have weird rules, Nathan. Just go with it. (laughs) Well, I don't know why I keep saying this, but it's good to have you back, Ryan. (laughs) Good to be back. All right, and finally, to round out our cast is someone new to the show. He runs his own show on the ESO Network, and that is Gerald Glassford. How are you doing, Gerald? I'm well, and oh my gosh, I thought it was doing great with just level 23, but man, level 40? Wow, maxing out. Nice job, nice job. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I guess you need to up your game, Gerald. I guess I do. I got to start getting out there and walking and doing it some more. Like like you said, you thought, you'd think that level 100 would be a nice way to level cap it out, especially because of the success and popularity of it. But level 40s, it, it, you, you know the, the Nintendo and Niantic, you know they're going to get together and do something more about it. Obviously, Pokemon coming to consoles is going to be some great news in fact they're already there in a free-to-play format so with more coming on the way so that's great news for nintendo fans and also pokemon pokemon fans as well so like me so my girls love it i love it just just really just a lot of fun to play awesome so gerald you've given us a little window with the pokemon go uh but why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself oh my gosh well a little bit about myself is uh i I help run the Pop Culture Cosmos show, which is available twice a week on the ESO network, dealing with all the latest and greatest in pop culture, heavy movie watcher. I do a lot of TV. I do a lot of uh, stuff when concerning video games. That's pretty much was my background and how I got into podcasting was I used to run some video game stores, evolved into a game website for several years. We did a couple hundred podcasts through that, and it's evolved into something more broader like like your show which deals with a lot of things pop culture and just it seems like uh, you know where there's no end to what pop culture is all about whether it's you know star wars which is always in the news for some reason better you know bad or good you know marvel it's all that good stuff that's out there i'm just so fun to, to follow track but there's so many other smaller more niche entities out there that also you know don't fully get recognized that need some love as well and I always try to point that out, whether it's board games, whether it's esports, whether it's some other facet of the pop culture world. Just it just really is cool. You know, so many cool things out there, and I just it's always nice to get a hand in trying it. I'm um, right now we're we're going into E3 mode because it's just already started at the time of this recording. So it's it's going to be video games galore for the next few days, and 
who releases what, who who's announcing what, and and what games are really going to look good or bad over the next uh, you know what year or so that we're looking forward to. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy because like you say, there's just so much you can get into with pop culture, and it always feels like I've got so many episodes in the back of my head of things that I can talk about. Exactly, sci-fi, music. I mean, pop culture itself, the definition of it is just really makes it so broad for people to cover. And, and that's why, you know, I just truly enjoy just talking about so much, you know, whether I'm doing it on a show or just talking about it on your great show or just out in the street and about talking to regular people about all things uh, pop culture. It's just so much more of a great deviation from the normal everyday way of life. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason that I did this show is just so that I could have more conversations. <laughs> that's really, well, that's really I, cool. hopefully we'll help you there today. All right, excellent. And it's good to have you on, Gerald. Well, it's great to be here. I've just been a big fan of the show for now for uh, for a while and I love playing your promos and uh just so happy that uh you know that you're a fellow per- person and your fellow great show is part of the ESO network and just thank them so much for uh, allowing us the time to you know, to get everything all together. And when you said that shout out for today's episode, I was like, I got to be a part of it. All right. Yeah, great. And yes, to make sure to put a fine point on it, it is the ESO network and not the Earth Station 1 network. I may have inadvertently said it the wrong way at some point in a previous episode, but I have been... Is it like IHOP or IHOB or IHOP? You know? Right. <laughs> Branding is important. So we yes, ESO network. <laughs> Alright, but uh, yeah, now the introductions are out of the way, it's time for our latest five-minute controversy. So, the latest controversy comes to us from the news world as the Disney merger with Fox is uh, in, in danger, because Comcast is making a bid for the Fox properties that Disney wants. Now, Comcast, it's looking like, is is after different things than what Disney is after, but they both want those Fox properties. I mean, they're both looking for control of Hulu. That's one of the things that they both want. But, so, out of curiosity, just who would you prefer to win this bid? I'm pretty sure we're all going to be on the same page here, but I'd be interested to hear if there's a dissenting opinion. So, would you rather have Comcast acquire the Fox properties, or would you rather Disney get Fox? So, let's start with uh, Ryan and then go Gerald then Jen. Well, I think I am already going to disappoint you because I I want Comcast okay. to get the properties. I feel like you know, monopoly issues aside, sticking more or less to the whole superhero genre because I think that's kind of what spawns this controversy. Yeah, for the most part, although if Disney did acquire the Fox properties it would also give them the Star Wars A New Hope distribution rights so it allows them to merge that together as well. And, and you know, it's not like Comcast couldn't sell certain rights off piecemeal back to Disney and probably make their money back that way actually. <laughs> and I would actually be perfectly fine. I would love for them to sell Fantastic Four back to Disney, but I've been fine with X-Men being their own separate universe. I feel like if Disney had gotten X-Men when they acquired Marvel back in 99 or 98 or whenever it was, then all that would have happened there is they would have made X-Men movies and we never would have gotten mm-hmm. an Avenger. It wouldn't be where we are now. You never would have gotten Thor. You never would have gotten Iron Man, that's for sure, because we'd be on Wolverine 6. So I think it's really been a boon for the genre as a whole. Okay. 
Fair enough. And as far as Hulu goes, I don't think that makes much difference since uh, Disney's coming out with their own streaming channel anyways. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. Disney doesn't want their own streaming channel to have what they consider like more adult properties or yeah, rated no. R properties. And so they were saying that if, you know, if they had controlling share of Hulu as well, that they would put their sort of darker, yeah. you know, tone I, stuff on Hulu. So I uh, get that. And maybe this just means they'll revisit their deal with Netflix, right. which is also a win. Okay, fair enough. Gerald, what, what about you? What do you think about all this? Well, I don't want to think of it in just the short term. I want to think it in more a perspective of the long-term prospects for fans. For, uh, you know, I often try to think of things these days about for my daughters and what would, what would be the best thing for my daughters to experience for years to come. And for me, I think it'd be more of a cohesive nature if Disney ups their bid, gives them a larger amount, whatever they need to do to acquire those franchises. Because I think long term, yes, they would commercialize it to death. We know this, but, you know, 50, 60 years from now, I mean, the Marvel Universe will be more of a cohesive flesh, fleshing out. I don't think that Disney would go for a piecemeal deal with Comcast. I think after, if they were to get uh, outbid by Comcast and Comcast would win it, I think Disney would just move on from there. And I agree with you in the sense that, yes, it did create the necessity for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but for the long-term health of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it is in the best interest for Fox and Disney to merge and Disney to gain those properties because from a perspective from that standpoint, I think it's the best from also as well, you know, you have those other Fox properties, whether it's The Simpsons, what you know, whatever you name it, you know, even to Aliens, to, to the whole nine yards, Disney can find a way to make many of those properties. Uh, I guess in, in waning years, you know, Simpsons has been out forever. The Aliens franchise has been faltering. Maybe Disney might have some fresh ideas and a fresh perspective on it that they're able to give. Then again, they could do the same thing that they're doing right now with the Star Wars franchise and unfortunately putting that into the gutter at this point in time. Hopefully they'll be able to revive it here in a year and a half, but obviously people weren't going for the anthology series, so it's hits and misses. I mean, yes, they've done everything right with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I, I really think at this point in time, long term, plus also the theme parks, let's throw the theme parks in there because... The continued expansion of the Disney theme parks is something people, you know, experience sometimes just once, sometimes just twice, and sometimes many times over the course of their life. And what do you want to continually bring them when they come to these parks is a new and fresh experience. And acquiring those properties will help do that, at least guarantee that for a long time to come. Well, at least on the East Coast, though, that's not that, that's difficult because of their deal with Universal Studio that Marvel had in place with Universal Studios, where and, and, and I know and they're here on the West Coast as well. We just went to Universal Studios, but with the Simpsons, which are uh, you know major property there. But sometimes these deals run out, and at least at that point in time down the road, Disney may be able to go ahead and exercise that property, but. I just think for the long term, especially when it considers the main thing that fans are talking about is the possible merger and that Marvel finally becomes complete, I think is a long time coming. And it's something that all those bad deals that Marvel made in the 90s and early 2000s in regards to their properties when they were really in dire straits, they now have a chance to recoup that and, and go forward as an entity. All right, uh, Jen, what do you think? So, uh, I hate Comcast with the fire of a thousand suns. 
I'm pretty sure they they were voted worst company in America like eight million times in a row or something. If not, it was EA. So either possibly, or. possibly. So there's that. I do want to see a united MCU super particle where we can get get everybody in the same uh, in the same room. Of course, that that still means we have to get Hulk back from Universal and all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's step in the right direction. So I I really I really want them to be able to consolidate the Marvel properties, but without getting too political, there's a lot of scary things happening in the United States right now in terms of consolidations of power and corporations, you know, uh, doing you know like it's like if if we say oh this this is this won't create a monopoly this is just fine because it's disney and because it's because it's marvel and it's awesome and it's movies but yeah there's it's like these these rules are there for a reason and when we when we consolidate too much power for a media empire in one place it's like as long as it's with the good guys, it's fine. But what are you going to do when some other network, you know, tries to, you know, consolidate? And, you know, do we really want to see that happen? So as much as I very much want for the for the properties, to the, the Marvel properties to go to Disney, I want to make sure that there's, there's still a, a, a diffuse network of content creators out there. That it's, that it's not all getting too concentrated in just a few places. And that's, that's what it seems like is happening. Mm. It's, it's worth noting that when we think of a winning example of this, we do think of Marvel's MCU. And that's all credit to Fahey and, and a few others. That's where that comes from. But you've also had examples... Uh, I don't want to bash the guy too much, but I mean, look, Star Wars with George Lucas was either the best <laughs> or the worst. You know, uh, Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. Sometimes you don't want, all, just even from a genre standpoint, all the power in the hands of a few. Yeah. Um, Harry, yeah, uh, Harry Potter movies, I think, are a good example of this, where you had multiple directors, multiple visions, and the series benefited uh, from that. And But the only other thing I would say is kind of to the, the flip side of the point is a Marvel, a Disney-controlled unified Marvel would not have made Logan, at least not like we saw it. And I, I hope you're ready for a Deadpool that, <laughs> well, frankly, isn't the Deadpool we've had so far. So there's that to think about, too. You know, but but that's that's what people said, you know, they're like, oh, well, as soon as Disney gets a hold of, you know, Star Wars or name whatever property you want, you know, oh, it's just going to get sanitized and be for kids. Was, I don't know that about that. was Star Wars that. to begin with. Well, yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> well, I've got to say, all the ones that have come out since uh, Disney acquired Star Wars have been way better and more all ages than any of the prequels which were like four, five, and under. So, you know. <laughs> so I, I feel and like so Disney like actually elevated. Another... <laughs> and now we're well, in another five-minute controversy. Say... <laughs> well, I wanted to say this real quick. I know you're talking about Deadpool 2 and him getting sanitized and being dumbed down, sort of speak, as far as if he goes over to Disney. But Disney has been clear to say that they are going to embrace the property and treat it as continuously as it has been so far by Fox. So he'll be still the R-rated individual if he if he you know if it does come to fruition. Whether or not that's a good thing, whether or not that's a good thing, because Deadpool two in a lot of people's eyes was not as good as number one, but by box office standards is still holding a very strong nature, and there's still obviously going to be a number three that comes out of it because it's done 
pretty good so far and could be comparative box office wise to its predecessor but quality uh, wise uh, and quantity wise he's still going to probably be that r-rated superstar uh, there, there's just no other way of saying it now if you were to go into the marvel cinematic universe you obviously would have to go ahead and make some considerations there well and let's not forget the fact that you know under under the disney umbrella we've we've got jessica jones and luke cage and it's it's not like you know it's not like they're they're not capable of doing dark stuff with with f-bombs in it when, when they choose to they they just are going to wall it off in, in a different park as it were yeah i mean here's the thing disney knows that when they acquire fox that they're going to get a lot of r-rated <laughs> properties i mean deadpool is by no means the only one they're going to get the aliens franchise for one which is all r-rated movies you know so i mean they they have a plan in place for how to incorporate those properties and how to you know move forward with them so i i don't think that i don't think that is going to happen they'll probably have like a separate logo you know kind of thing they'll put on those movies you know to to show that this isn't like regular disney kind of thing but i think that's all it's going to be like jen was saying they're going to wall it off in some way uh, just so that parents have a better way of telling what their kids are watching as well well they had touchstone films to separate themselves from disney so they could do something similar and create their own type of branding that would that would necessitate yeah the precedent is there yeah so so yeah as far as my opinion on it goes you know in the beginning i was more where ryan was when this was first announced that you know i i wish they could acquire pretty much all of fox but leave the x-men as their own separate thing because even if you know even when they do or if they do acquire all these properties i mean marvel is probably not going to expand the number of movies it puts out per year that much and so right now we're getting a couple of x-men movies a year usually as well as three marvel movies and after this goes through you know, the MCU will probably still release about three movies a year, which means the overall superhero content is going to go down. But as things have gone on and as the merger, you know, news has gone on, I've kind of sort of reconciled myself to the whole thing and thought, you know, a lot of good things could come from this, just like Gerald was talking about, and a lot of interesting storytelling and whatnot. But now the Comcast merger, you know, as I was getting used to it and thinking this can be a good thing, <laughs> then the whole Comcast thing came in where they're trying to outbid Disney. Now it's like, ah, oh, man, because I don't know what Comcast would really bring to the table that would make it better content i i just very much would like to see a a road movie in the vein of dude where's my car that's dopinder from deadpool <laughs> and luis from ant-man that would that would make me happy <laughs> all right well you know uh chris evans wants to do his buddy movie of the human torch and captain america going across <laughs> country and he can I'd play both it. roles <laughs> I totally see it. <laughs> don't forget, don't forget his character from The Losers. Maybe he'll star in like <laughs> pop in there as a guest role. I mean, obviously, Avengers Four can still open with Cable showing up and killing Thanos. So you know, there you go. Jeez. That works for me. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've talked about. I think we talked this one to death. <laughs> So, but all right, that's good. That was a much more mixed conversation than I was expecting. So I, I, I appreciate that. So we'll see what happens as the new, you know, as things drag on. Because, you know, at first Disney was saying, like, we're not worried about Comcast at all. And the latest news has been, uh, Disney's a little worried about Comcast now. You know, Nathan, uh, if I can, just really quick. I don't want to start anything else, but really quick throughout there. But just as the fans, how it could affect us, just keep in mind Disney, how they renegotiated their ticket deal for The Last Jedi. So give them more properties that gives them more power to renegotiate ticket prices or you know 
with uh, theaters as well. Pray I do not alter it any further. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there are federal regulators who need to look into whether or not it becomes a monopoly, so that could still scuttle it as well. Uh, you're such an optimist. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, well, before we uh, get into Timeless, let's take a break here for a promo from another fine podcast. We don't go in there. You don't want to go in there. There's a reason that chamber has no door. What did she tell you? That it must have been a dream? Rookie mistake, Doc! Turn it up to 11 with flask. Let's see what she's got. And smoke me a kipper. I'll be back for breakfast. No, Doc, it's a rational transaction. One life for billions. If you think that's impressive, wait until I get going. The answer is 1 plus 2 plus 1 plus 1. Desperate to come to me for help. <laughs> Doctor Geek's Laboratory of Applied Geekdom, Season Three, coming soon. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, this week we're talking about Timeless Season 2. And since, Gerald, you weren't on with us to talk about Timeless Season 1, why don't you just give us uh, a few brief sentences about what you thought about uh, about the show uh, before this season? Well, I, I thought the show had a lot of promise. I like the concept, obviously, traveling back in time where you're still dealing with an entity that's not only back in time that they're going after and going against, but in Rittenhouse, but also as well that they're dealing with them from a modern standpoint as well. I like the concept. And there, there's a couple things you would always nitpick about. I think some of the shows and some of the episodes over the course of the two seasons, some of them could have been spanned out over maybe two or three episodes and been more fleshed out. And I think they would have been better served. But for the most part, it's really been a fun ride while watching it. I, I like the fact that, especially in season one, that they were focusing on certain things and not going into too much into interpersonal relationships, uh, which they've obviously dealt more into in season two, that they were just trying to focus in on, here's our story, here's what we're trying to do, we're trying to battle these evil forces that are out there and we're trying to battle this mysterious guy who has a vendetta against Rittenhouse themselves. So it was kind of like a three-way battle between, you know, a good guys, the bad guys, and then someone that's right bordering that gray that would do anything he can to avenge what happened to his family. So I like the overall arc of season one. Um, and then, you know, going from there into season two, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of been an interesting ride as well. Maybe not as cohesive at times as uh, season one, but 
the interpersonal relationships that they're trying to mix in now because it's more of a seasoned series that I, I really kind of enjoyed it overall. It's it's been something that that I've been, you know been able to you know, watch constantly over the course of the past uh, couple of years now. I really feel bad for its situation continuously getting the runaround with fans that, who are continuously just like pulled all over the place when it comes to the decisions long-term for the series. I'm hoping for a good resolution to it, but it seems like we were in this situation again this time last year as well. Yeah, uh, I really had hoped that NBC was just going to decide one way or the other, but it looks like with, you know, because at first they said, well, we're going to wait for the finale and then we're going to make our decision. And now we're about a month out from when the finale aired and we still don't have a decision from NBC. I mean, on, on one level, that that's, you know, potentially a good thing because it means discussions are still out ongoing. So it's not just a flat, you know, you're canceled. So uh, we'll see what that, you know, what that does. But I wish they would make a decision soon just because I want them to be able to shop the show around because we're living in a time now where that seems to have been successful in quite a few cases. So I wouldn't mind seeing Timeless move to either another network or even to a streaming service if NBC decides not to renew it, especially since NBC keeps shoving it on horrible time slots. And that's that's been part of the problem with that show is that it has been given horrible time slots but look at what happened to this is us that was not even given a great time slot to begin with but created a great show and created a great time you know rating for itself timeless may have not been given the same chances on it but it's had a couple of opportunities just not always been able to capitalize on it and Unfortunately, I as much as I enjoy the show, the declining ratings over the course of the two-year period may not even constitute it being picked up by another streaming service, even though it has such a ardent fan base. Right. Well, and the interesting thing, though, is that the ratings don't take into account who's watching it later. So I'd be curious, and that's, and that's one of those things that might matter to a streaming service, is if people are streaming the show after the fact. You know, what this those numbers, right, yeah, what those numbers say. I think it's what, they go by a seven-day watch period of the episode plus seven days. What is that watch period of people tuning in later? I think that's what they, how they track it. No. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, talking about this season, though, moving into it, I mean, last time on the show when we talked about season one, we talked about how we were overall pretty happy with it, but we all had little little issues with it. And I feel like with the move to season two, they took the opportunity to do a little bit of a soft reboot. And I pretty much think that the show has been improved across the board. Jen, would you agree with that? Yes, there was there was definitely a lot to like about this season. I uh, I think that there were there were some plot lines that I really didn't didn't get into. Um, I I'm a I'm a big you know no snogging in the TARDIS kind of person, and I I just haven't been happy with the whole sexual tension thing with between you know between them. But but then I I was I was like oh his wife is back this will, oh god this is no this is, this is terrible. So I, I I thought that was that was a, a just horrible plot line too. I I, I did not think that the whole you know surprise she's a bad guy oh who knew right exactly rittenhouse made this happen and guess what exactly <laughs> exactly so um i i really loved the fact that gia had a had a much more prominent part this year they did some really really interesting things with her i think it was good i i wouldn't necessarily say it was it was better than the previous season because i think there was there was a lot of they explored a lot of a lot more of the sandbox that they have, not just in terms of time, but in terms of the lives of of the characters. 
but I'm not sure that always was was a was a benefit. I really think the character and and let me get your opinion as well. Do you think Flynn has been a severely underused character in season two? When I personally thought he was the most interesting character of season one. Well, he was the most interesting character of season one because we didn't know anything about him, and I think that's that's one of the things that I'm seeing with with season two was we got a lot m- more of him. And he became less interesting. And I mean, some of that is obviously, you know, the the writers, you know, what what they what they chose to to give him. But he just he wasn't, you know, he he was a he was a mysterious force in the first season. And in this one, he was, you know, that guy who's been in jail. And I guess we'll let him out because maybe he'll help us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though. They kind of tried to amp up some tension between him and Lucy. I kept hoping that it was going to turn into he was trying to get close to Lucy to achieve some goal. That he that he was going to get his freedom or something like that. And they might still go that way. I mean, the other thing that we need to talk about is this season only had 10 episodes. So yeah. they didn't have a lot of time to move forward on a lot of plot lines. So, so that was definitely a constraint. One thing that I think improved this season, though, is that... Last season, it was all about, you know, Flynn just trying to bring his family back, and he was going back in time to certain things, and he was trying to mess them up, and they were trying to keep him from messing it up. In this case, I thought the whole setup of the sleeper agents are already there, and have already messed with time, and they're coming back to actually fix the things. I thought that was a much better scenario and setup for for what they were doing and that satisfied me a lot more and uh, especially because and it did happen a few times this season but especially because last season it seemed like every time something still got screwed up even though it wasn't a you know like a huge thing (laughs) it was like you still change time and when you change time 200 years ago that's still gonna have consequences so i like that this you know the way that the setup was this season meant that happened less Ryan, what do you think about this season overall? Well, forgive me if I repeat anyone's points. <laughs> I had some technical difficulties sure. there and I lost about five minutes. But <laughs> honestly, this is kind of like the season of was Flynn right? And you know, kind of maybe, yeah, maybe his methods like destroy the United States weren't perhaps the best. But in general, yeah, the very fact that you see the two teams, the two sides gravitating towards him, uh, towards his philosophy just kind of goes to show that there was something there that there were that sometimes i guess maybe it's the united states and soviet union joining to fight you know nazi germany type thing i don't know but this season seemed more of a like a a modern quantum leap to me than season one you know you go but we have to go back and you know write what once went wrong or something like that of course it's because of uh rittenhouse that it went wrong all in all I feel like what was really good about this season was really, really good. And what was bad was really, really bad. <laughs> you wouldn't be speaking about the JFK episode, I, would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was off. <laughs> it was. It just, this season, it, it was a little bit more erratic, but in some ways that worked, and in some ways it, it didn't for me. I, don't get me wrong, I loved it, and I'm all in for season three, but I don't know, it just felt like they were maybe a little bit desperate and they were trying really, really hard because of it. And that could be a good thing. Um, I also feel like their budget was a little bit cheaper. It seemed like some of the yes. ch- the sets and costuming was cheaper. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole reason Mason Industries blew up is so that they could have a smaller <laughs> set. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And Bunker, you know, Bunker Living is always good. Uh, <laughs> good on the fucking book, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I noticed that right away. I was like, the whole reason that happened was because they they, they had a you know a lower budget and they needed to live within smaller constraints. It, it, it was a win win. It was a cheaper cheaper to do it that way, and also it kind of gives it like you said that whole sort of soft reboot feel. Yeah, one of the things that Jen brought up that you might have missed is the whole subplot with Wyatt and his wife coming back, and how no uh-huh. one seemed to be able to realize that hey, if Rittenhouse like you know brought her back, that especially since they have sleeper agents, don't you think that they had like an agent like guiding her through her life and like indoctrinating her you know so that she would be a uh, you know an agent for them i don't know that might be tough to do because i mean say she's 30 years old the, the agent would have to have been born how would that work she, they, no you couldn't do that i mean they'd have to have sent the agent back when like they were 15 years old or something like that mm. and then the, he would have had to have left her when she turned 15 and you know what i'm saying i don't know that that would necessarily have worked mm. well the fact that she's popped up in the first place and them really brushing off the fact that oh well she's she's back she's back and they should have just delved into more of that issue that okay something's kind of fishy here or at least one part of the team kind of look look into it more and not have it come at you like they, they were trying just to surprise to surprise i mean you could see obviously by the fact that when she just appeared out of nowhere that there was something behind it and that that written house was doing something all along when they were planning Absolutely. to the first first place Somebody on the team should have been smart enough to realize and investigate that from the beginning. And and I would have seen that person as being being Flynn, actually. No. You know, because he would be like, well, what would I do in this situation? <laughs> well, he would shoot first and ask questions later, you know. But uh, yeah. yeah, maybe that was just a lack of resources on their part. But I, I felt like there was a, more of a sinister vibe to Rittenhouse this season than the first season. Even more so, maybe because they did explore it. Maybe because you did see, and the very first episode, right, opens with rescuing uh, Lucy his great-grandfather and you just see how much of a genius he is even though he's very much a man of his time and i I don't know that's just kind of maybe it's just him compared to quark being the founder of rittenhouse in season one it just struck me as more uh something evil well yeah no no i think that that was good and i think that on that level of the character level i feel like giving rittenhouse like a central figure made them feel like more of a threat but at the same time my problem with it was that this guy is supposed to be creating the master blueprint for time and yet he's not going on the missions except for the last one where he dies and he's not going on the mission so that means every time they go back it would change him too he would he would forget whatever plan that he had (laughs) you know so it seemed weird to me that he wasn't trying to like insulate himself from that so that he could stand sort of above it all and you know pull the strings and there was a lot of that sort of time travel stuff that didn't make sense to me like the whole reason why it was chosen was because he had no connections you know he had no family no nothing so it's like okay we've changed the timeline so that he does have a wife but yet he's still part of the time team you know and and they they never address those sorts of issues you know of like why would Wyatt still have been chosen in the new timeline and stuff like that so they should come back and people are like hey where's Bob you know Bob's the guy Bob's your soldier that's gone with you and all these did you just murder Bob (laughs) (laughs) don't you know Nathan some things are just destined to be Uh, apparently (laughs) but they said that about his wife dying and yet they bring her back anyway (laughs) but I knew the second he and Lucy got together I was like they're gonna come back and the wife's gonna be alive And wouldn't you know it? (laughs) Well, I mean, that was a card we knew they were going to play, like, from the very first episode, eventually. (laughs) Right. But here's the thing, and here's here's the thing. They saw that the time machine, the mothership, had gone to, like, 1980 or something like that, like, and then suddenly the wife had appeared. 
If they had made it more ambiguous, like, hey, maybe this is just, like, an unintended consequence of one of the other missions that we were on, that, you know, somebody, you know, went did something that, you know, sort of the same way that Lucy's sister disappeared, where it was like, she had nothing to do with the Hindenburg, but because of this weird knock-on effect of multiple things that got changed, that Lucy's sister was never born. If they had tried, if they had made it more like that, where it could have been, like, something like that, that, oh, it was just an accident... It would have been a little more believable yeah. that they that they trusted her, you know, instead yeah. of, well, we know Rittenhouse went specifically to where she lived or where her family lived in, like, 1980, and then suddenly she's back, you know? <laughs> it, it, yeah, I, I couldn't believe how dumb they were. Well, I, I, maybe, I don't know, I think we... Season one seemed to do a better job of just illustrating these unintended consequences. You, they, every time they'd come back, it would be like some dates were changed, or maybe it wasn't person X, it was person Y. This season, it just kind of, they focused, they had this really tight focus just on the core story. And you didn't really get to see how, oh yeah, time, you know, the, but you didn't get to see the butterfly effect as much, I felt like. Hmm. Another thing about this season, though, is that they took a real strong approach to highlighting the stories of people of color and women in history. That is very true. Yeah. That, uh, you know, in some cases, you know, people that are not usually talked about that much, like the whole, like, Mrs. Holmes. I had never yes. heard of her before, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? And so that was really cool, you know, because it was like, it was, it was, it wasn't the major events like they were dealing with in the first season, uh, you, know, you know, Alamo. Well, oh, yeah. We all know what the Alamo is you know we all know about lincoln's assassination yeah and that's one of the positives of this season is that they were able to delve into parts of history that maybe not not everyone was familiar of like you said with mrs holmes i wasn't either uh, but some of the stories that they actually were going into at this season were were a little bit more interesting from that standpoint yeah, I think in, in season one, you know, towards the season one, the end of season one, the, the joke, oh, I'm a black guy in the past, it, it goes from being, you know, awkwardly funny the first time or three to being uncomfortable. Yeah, you know? so the, I think it was a wise decision to mm-hmm. to really just realize not only, hey, we're in the past and we <laughs> bad crap happened, but what can we do to maybe make it better in the future? I, I think they realized that. And again, this just goes from their experience, especially Lucy, her experiences uh, in between season one and two. But she went from just trying to preserve the past to trying to literally change the past uh, for mm-hmm. the better. Well, and, and it's interesting because that goes back into the whole, like, uh, you know, they're, they're drifting more towards Flynn's philosophy. But I will say this, okay, I think it was ridiculously naive in the Salem one for her to think that this was going to make everything all hunky-dory oh, God, <laughs> by yeah. releasing it. I'm like, so that means they're going to call out a militia most likely to hunt these people down. There's mm-hmm. probably going to be an even bigger, like, crackdown on people who are exhibiting behavior that they feel like is not, you know, normal. You know, I, it actually should have made things worse, you know, but she just takes this sort of, like, naive approach of, we're rescuing this pe- these people, yeah, and I was just kind of like, that's not... You should know better. You know, that Lucy. seemed like that, that could have gone Bebo God of War. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I felt like it was a little naive in its storytelling in that in that respect. And especially even, like, they go back. And this is my problem. The further back they go, the butterfly effects should be so much worse. And it's like, oh, suddenly the whole concept of a witch hunt is, like, unknown to people. And it's like, really? <laughs> because that is a concept, you know, I would feel like, first of all, isn't just predicated on Salem. But second of all, if that whole concept is really gone, then that should change a whole lot. Like, you know, wow. 
it, it's not culturally specific. Okay, right. they, I mean, they happen across the world in in different manners. No, it. Yeah, that didn't really make sense. Well, not to but. mention the fact that it, it happens. You know, it, it, the the reason it was happening in New England was because it had happened in England and mm. Scotland, and you know that that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a new world phenomenon. You know? Exactly, and that's the thing, and that's the sort of frustrating thing to me about this show is that it feels like it's a kind of naive take on time travel in the first place. And, you know, the, the whole idea that you can change like one chapter in a history book and none of the later chapters get changed, also, but also that you know they're inconsistent with their rules and what can and can't be done and how it affects things like the jfk one is a prime example because as soon as they came forward with jfk based on how every other episode has worked the changes of no jfk in the 1930s should have happened you know instead of this whole potential futures thing it's like that's never how this show has worked and and that's kind of it's it's a good point because this show has actually had more logic to its time travel than an awful lot of, of other time travel shows. I mean, and and so when when they have dropped the ball on something, it's been it's been disappointing. But then it just shows you that they actually have had it together better than a lot of shows. Yeah, I'd give it a B. Like, or the, season one, I would have given a B for time travel rules. I, it still made no sense that the mothership could leave, change the past, but it doesn't catch up to the future until the lifeboat gets back. I, I don't know. Some of the, I, they could they could explain it. They could literally come up with the rules. Oh, the <laughs> the change wave takes time, or oh. It only happens when the lifeboat comes back to close the loop. I don't know. One line of dialogue could totally fix it. But all that aside, I would have given season one a B for time travel rules. But this season, that Kennedy episode, oh, man, that dropped me down to, like, D. (laughs) You're not going to let go of that Kennedy episode. Uh, Well, yeah. Until they go back and fix it. Well, I mean, I think it would have been interesting to examine what a world without Kennedy would have been like. You know, and and I thought that that would have been like a way for them to show like an alternative timeline that's significantly different. But they kept doubling down on this whole idea of, well, if there was no Kennedy, we would have had nuclear war, which isn't necessarily. Yeah, there were also other Kennedys. I mean, they, they could have done something really interesting. Like they came back with Kennedy and now the Soviet Union won the Cold War. Right. Something like that. Yeah. And then they have to rush back with him to like get it, you know, to get to fix it. And that would like give Kennedy, like having seen that potential future, like a reason to, you know, like to, to, to work hard to, to make sure that that future doesn't come to pass kind of thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think that that would have been an interesting take on it. But yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> Less said about that, the better. But. <laughs> Although I do love that intro to that episode with Flynn just walking in and wasting Rittenhouse guys, like with Kennedy. Right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> Two remarks I'll make quick. One, I actually loved the Kennedy casting. Mm-hmm. I felt like the the actor they got to portray him was great. But but two, come with me if you want to live. I love the aliases they come up with right. every time yes. they're in the past. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, they come up. Yeah, I, it wasn't. Oh, I now I'm naturally blanking on on all of them. But every Cagney time, and Lacey was Cagney, good. Yes, Cagney and Lacey. That's yeah. the one I was yeah. trying to think of. I kept wanting to say Starsky and Hutch, but you know, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, they always come up with really great ones, like in the musical one, you know, <laughs> Taylor Swift and stuff like that. You know? <sighs> yeah.
So as far as, like, uh, the characters go, you know, Emma really came into her own this season. She had been a very background character in uh, in season one, and here she became a real heavy on the Rittenhouse side. And, you know, there were some where I'm so glad they handled it the right way, because, like, in the one where it's like, oh, we're going to, like, you know, ruin the women's liberation movement, and I'm like, wait a minute, Emma, why would you? You know, it's weird when you, like, seed your bad guys with, like, these strong female characters, and then it's like, wait a minute, why would they be into this Rittenhouse yeah. conservative agenda of, you know, let's change everything so that women, you know, are, are you know, second-class citizens and everything. So I'm glad they had it be like, that was the one where Emma actually helped them. Mm-hmm. You know, because she was like, I don't want any part of this, you know? I don't agree with this one at all. But, uh, you know, so so what do you guys think about Emma? Um, Gerald, we've been kind of talking over you for a while. Oh, no, I, actually, I think that's it's a good character arc for her. Obviously, she comes off as the badass. And obviously, she comes off as somebody that, that is to be reckoned with. And like you said, she didn't have much to do in season one. And now you're giving her more to do. And I, I will give credit to one thing when it comes to season two. It does give its non-three characters much more to do outside of Flynn. Everybody else seemed to have more to do outside of Flynn for the most part, which was kind of interesting from that aspect. And obviously her getting a lot more involved with whatever Rittenhouse is up to was obviously a benefit from that. Ryan, any thoughts about Emma? Uh, (laughs) It's funny, between season one and this season, I watched The Runaways. And that that actress has a, a big part in that series, and I did when when season two started and I'm watching it, I'm like, where have I seen this woman? <gasps> Runaway! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I don't know. That just I was like, I watched watched her with a new eye, which is totally unfair to the actress and the character and everything. But you know, we're humans. That's what we do. And I don't know if it was because of seeing her character there or her the actress in Runaways, or just seeing what they did differently with the character in this one. But yeah, I, I think she was a. Uh, I won't. I won't say I was rooting for her. Obviously not. But I will say that she was both the scariest and the most interesting part of Rittenhouse this season. She was almost a wild card in that respect because as long as things were going her way, as long as she thought she was controlling, you know, the very traditional great grandpappy, then. It, it was fine, but you saw it in the very last couple of episodes. Like, you know, she's she just had enough. Screw it. Bang, bang. <laughs> and I thought that was just a little sloppy from the storytelling point of view, though, that the one time that, um, I'm going to call her Moira because I can't remember her name on Timeless, but the one time Morris and the grandfather come back <laughs> is the time that they, they, they get murdered. You know, it's like, it just seemed like they should have either had them on more missions together with Emma, you know, so that it seemed more routine or that should have been a cleverer way of getting rid of them. It just seemed like, oh, that's really neat and easy, you know? <laughs> well, I, but I think they're also setting up too for if it does extend to a season three, that her character at the end of the day will probably lead Rittenhouse. Something will probably happen to the great grandfather or whatnot. I think at some point in time, they're trying to work it out to where she will become the main, uh, as far as the main villain of the series by, I would assume, by end of season three, if not sooner. Oh, no, I think it'll probably start with her as the main villain. Yeah. I think that she's well, taking over. Yeah, and it, it kind of booked in, bookend in that respect, the beginning of season two and the end of season two. it was uh, There's a lot of symmetry there in a lot of ways. In the first episode, Emma and Mama Lucy's mom go back uh, with Lucy. <laughs> uh, what? Carol. Carol Preston. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just think of her as Moira <laughs> Queen. Yeah, you know. I'm, but yeah, they go back and they rescue 
uh, great grandpappy. And then mm-hmm. in the last episode, all they're all back together again, and we see how that shakes out. On the one hand, I agree with you, Nathan. It was seemed like really kind of sloppy writing, but on the other hand, I was like. I'm with you, sister. I mean, (laughs) I would have done it too, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and and this makes it interesting, and maybe it's because of what's going on in the world right now that they felt like an ultra-conservative agenda wasn't what they wanted to, like, deal with in the show. But Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what Emma's agenda actually is, what she wants to change in time, you know, to achieve her goals, and what she's going to do to amass power. Because it's clear from how she was behaving that she's not all in for the, you know, Make America Great Again Rittenhouse. Right agenda so it'll i'm really interested to see where she's going to go with that and it's worth noting it seemed like she had a closer connection to uh jessica as well so it might Mm -hmm. be kind of a cooperative coup between the two of them that's a good point jen any other thoughts about emma i thought we don't have enough genre tv shows that have good interesting female villains in my opinion and and she definitely was she was she was complicated she was cool, and she wasn't, you know, a femme fatale. <laughs> like, she was, you know, just doing her thing, and that was that was pretty awesome. I thought that, that she was, in some ways, she was more interesting than, I mean, it, it seems like the way that they, they had it set up was that the Rittenhouse team was kind of like the all-girl team. Which was interesting, you know. You had you had Grandpappy, but you know it was it was mostly women on that side, and it was that was an interesting dynamic to watch. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's just I kept on having the dissonance of being like, "Why are you following this agenda if it's a mostly female thing?" I liked the characters, and I thought yeah. that the women were interesting, but it just seemed weird. Of why why is this? You know, it should have been like an all male or male dominated you know group, and then I can say, "Okay, I get you know, I get what these guys' agenda is." And and I guess I guess that's part of what what I kept hoping for and not getting was was an explanation of was there another layer to this was there there another um you know uh, another agenda underneath that agenda you know or you know was there there a reason why they were going along with this but we didn't get that well like and that's one thing I wanted to ask is. Now that you, you, we've seen that Emma has taken, obviously, a bigger step as far as her character is concerned, does that leave Rittenhouse as something that an entity you still want to see as fans in Season 3 evolve into, or something new and different, maybe a, a, maybe an even darker force coming in and trying to involve itself, or do you still think the Rittenhouse part of it can be something that that can play out over the course of another season well i think what's going to happen and what i guess what i want to see happen is that emma's going to evolve rittenhouse into more of an organization that is just about control and less Mm -hmm. about just putting it pushing an agenda for an agenda's sake so she's going to go back in time and try to change things that will give rittenhouse more power for her because she's ruthless like that right but she won't care about this sort of like setting back social reforms thing right you know so more of the stuff like when they were trying to take control of the newspaper you know in the episode in hollywood and less Mm -hmm. the stuff like well let's set back the you know the 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 women's liberation movement or Mm -hmm. things like that which i mean still there's still plenty of events in history and a bunch of things especially when you get into it doesn't have to be a major event it's just like hey if we controlled the auto industry in detroit from the beginning or if we controlled, you know, major newspapers or whatever, there's all kinds of things you can do in history to make sure that your organization is super powerful. They can control Disney. (laughs) It's kind of like, (laughs) yeah, maybe they already do. (laughs) But 
it's kind of like you could argue that that originally Rittenhouse is this patriarchy and they're locked in their ways and they're going to do what benefits the patriarchy because that benefits the individual members. And Emma is just this out of the box. You know, I think I said wild card earlier and it's mm-hmm. true. And she's going to do what not what benefits the patriarchy because that would benefit her. She's going to do what benefits Emma and you as well if you're on team emma that's really her priority is there yeah and i think that that's going to make it a lot more interesting because i think they're still going to go with the whole idea of you know rittenhouse going back to to you know uh, uh influence things in history and them going back and stopping but it's going to be you know on more of a you know uh, it's going to be less of this sort of uh, you know very conservative agenda kind of thing and so i think it's going to take some of the <laughs> some well, of the bile I- out of it <laughs> And the reality is, last episode was standing, not, notwithstanding, at some point in time, future Lucy has to, five years from now, Lucy has to give Flynn her journal. Yep. So at, clearly, yeah. the war gets more intense, and Lucy becomes more hardened and more comes more to Flynn's point of view. Well, at some point, she's going to become Laura Croft. i'm looking at that and i'm like wait did she go back and become laura croft and then comes you thought laura croft i thought sarah connor (laughs) she looked like laura croft to me it looked like the same outfit but um and well the other funny thing though is wyatt with a beard doesn't look like wyatt like i knew that's who it had to be you know when he spoke i realized that but i was like man does he look so totally different with a beard because i would not have recognized him if he hadn't spoken you know Mm -hmm. Not like evil Spock or anything. Right. <laughs> well, that's just a nice trim. Right, yeah, that's just a nice trim goatee. That doesn't really change it that much. More of a Captain America kind of thing. <laughs> oh, maybe they're not from the future. Maybe it's the mirror, Lucy and Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get there that's how season three ends. Yeah, <laughs> but from rittenhouse from rittenhouse world <laughs> oh man I mean, ultimately depending on what flavor of time travel theory you believe in i mean that's there there's there is a universe out there where that is the case so. right and this show has done nothing this season to discredit any of those theories. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, yeah, I mean, here's the here's the main problem with Rittenhouse to me is that they were even willing to do things that would hurt their overall agenda of becoming more powerful just to like double down on the social thing, like 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 the the making that so the South wins the Civil War. That mm-hmm. one I kept scratching my head because it's like okay. You could say that that sets race relations back, but it's a lot harder to manage two countries, and it's going to be, even like as history goes forward into the 20th century and everything, those two countries will be less powerful than a single united America, so why would you pick the Civil War as something that you want to mess with? Because you're the robber barons, and you get to play both sides off of each other, and you get to sell weapons to both the Confederate States of America and the United States of America. Yeah, maybe. I think it would be easy. I think it would be better to be on the in control of one superpower rather than two squabbling countries that likely would never get to that kind of power if they were if they were separate. So one of the things we've been talking about is you know how you know Rittenhouse has had this you know conservative social agenda and why would people go along with it and so on and so forth. And I have not yet seen season two of Handmaid's Tale, so please don't spoil it for me. But it's sort of like one of the questions that I've had with that, which is, which is that, you know, if this is a, a society in which all women are, are treated 
you know, as second class citizens, whether they're, you know, whether they're the wives or the or the handmaids or the, the Aunt Lydia's or whatever, why would they go along with that? There has to be a reason. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. And it's like, well, why were these women going along with it? There has to be a reason. Right. And we just didn't get to it. And I mean, there, I, I don't know if that's that's a function of there only being 10 episodes and they had too many, you know, people's backstories and people's, you know, exes and, and everything that they needed to, to drudge up. But I, I don't know. I, I was really hoping to, to get some of that. I, I think maybe they hinted at it. I mean, not from the societal aspect, but from the individual aspect. When uh, Rufus and Wyatt had captured the one uh, sleeper agent, and it was kind of revealed that a lot of these sleeper agents, they're operating under duress or, or yes. coercion. You know, they, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily want to do this. And who would? Who would want to give up, you know, plumbing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, he and wasn't even sent back that far. He was in the 80s. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so it's like, that's not too bad. <laughs> it could be worse, you know? So yeah, I think you realize that in a lot of ways, uh, Rittenhouse is more of a house of cards than well, we might think. It well, wouldn't take much. But here's my problem with that, is like, okay... If you wanted, if you were inserting sleeper agents into history, you would want true believers. You would want hardcore, you know, like, I will die for you types. Because you put a guy in there that, okay, you're operating under duress. Well, guess what? I'm going to go murder your younger self or your father or whatever. So that you're not able to do this to my family in the future. And I'm going to screw you guys over. So I I found that one a little, eh. That's if they know who the name of the person who was holding the gun to their family. Sure, or for that no, matter, I... they could have even said, you go after us, there's another sleeper agent even further back who will go... I mean, I, I <laughs> yeah. get what you're saying, right. but I think, would you take the chance? Yeah, could be. Could be. But uh, it's a good point, though, that, that not everybody is a, is a true believer, but somebody who is, and we should talk about a little more than we have, is uh, is Carol. And, um, you know, Carol, uh, you know, really came into her own this season. She, uh, she was also somebody who was very much background in season one, uh, for most of the time was just acting as the concerned mom when we did see her until she gave the Hail Hydra moment at the end of season one. And, <laughs> and, and sort of the, the thing with, with Carol though, was that it was an untenable situation though, from the beginning, because while she definitely wanted to be in control and she wanted to push the agenda that her grandfather um, had been, you know, had had planned out the way that she was always trying to protect Lucy. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew it had to come to a head. That either she was going to have to defect, which wasn't going to happen, or she was going to die. The thing that I wasn't expecting was for the great-grandfather to die as well, because I thought that Emma was just going to straight-up murder Carol at some point. Or maybe even show how bloodthirsty the grandfather is by having him do it, and then having Emma and the uh, the great-grandfather be the ones that run Rittenhouse. And so Emma's actions of killing both of them, you know, kind of threw me like, oh, okay, that's a way more dramatic change than I thought. But I like that we got more with her, and I especially like the one where she kidnapped Agent uh, Christopher, because I feel like that gave her a little more to do, and it, it gave her... It made her feel like more... You got more of what was going on with Lucy and her, and they had more interaction, and, you know, them butting heads against each other. And even Lucy's anger at her mom being willing to pervert, you know, history, you know, which helped, you know, elevate Lucy's storyline, so... Well, they needed to flesh out her character, because obviously what happened at the end of the season, but, you know, like you said, they needed to flesh out not only their relationship, but you know, her motivations on why she's with Rittenhouse 
and the fact she felt she was in way too deep in order to go ahead and, and try and become something else or try to move you know move past Rittenhouse and for that she felt she was just you know so far in deep with Rittenhouse even if it meant and cost the relationship with her daughter that she still had to continue to do somewhat of what Rittenhouse was doing, even though, as you see, over the course of the early parts of the season, she would do what she could to circumvent that if it meant to save the life of her daughter. Well, it's really, I mean, it's funny because, you know, Lucy even says it, that her final words were wishes that she had indoctrinated Lucy earlier. <laughs> and you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta yeah. think, you know, that's really messed up. <laughs> I should have made you a mindless slave earlier. You know, I, I think it kind of begs the question, and this was kind of running through my head whole all season long, was I wonder if having her second daughter of having Lucy's sister maybe softened Carol. Maybe she wasn't really in Rittenhouse as strongly, if at all, in her the first iteration of her. Maybe hmm. it was never having that second daughter so that she could commit more time to, you know, nefarious evil deeds that did it. I, I don't know, but I, I think that there that that shift in that character, there's gotta be something there. There's got to be the idea that maybe if she if Lucy ever did manage to bring back her sister, what would would that change everything? Would that kind of hmm. just reboot the Carol's timeline again? I again th- these weird time travel rules. <laughs> right. Well, she'd be dying of cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, she'd be back, but... Well, but with you know. two kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wouldn't necessarily be good, but she'd be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then um, we had more Mason this season. Or, or maybe we didn't have more of Mason. It just seemed we delved a little bit more into his inner you know, uh, sort of the, his thought processes and then what he's going through right now. And of course, we have the added thing of Agent Christopher being kind of a jerk and basically forcing him away from anything that can help him keep his company uh, afloat. But understandably so. I mean, I completely understand where she's coming from on that. And he was kind of being like a whiny bitch and being like, I want to go out and be, you know, be Steve Jobs again. And, <laughs> you know, have people say I'm cool. It's like, dude, you can't, you can't be doing that. <laughs> he was used to living this lifestyle that, you know, he created a long time ago based off of his, his you know, what his creations and whatnot. Now that he no longer has that kind of lifestyle, it's him trying to go ahead and rebuild. And they didn't really delve too much into his character. It just gave him a little, like you said, just a couple points in time where where they delved into the fact that, well, you can't really do much right now because you're you're dealing with this, this time uh, traveling issue. But Having him actually going on a couple of the adventures was actually kind of a interesting uh, side part that that hopefully they'll delve into if they go into a season three. Yeah, I'm very happy about the fourth fourth seat on the light boat because that yes. allows them to rotate in characters with the core team and that allows them to play with the dynamics in fun ways mm-hmm. and having it be a personal thing, you know, going back, uh, you know, to the Donna, you know, rock and roll music uh, kind of stuff and, and mm-hmm. having it be like something he was very much, you know, uh, interested in, allowed him to be, you know, sort of the 
Lucy um, yeah. Yeah. role uh, because it was something he was just such a geek about. And, and even going into the sort of thing of, you know, different people have different geekdoms and stuff. I, I, mm-hmm. I've said this before. I feel like Timeless does that sort of geek identification so much better yeah. than other shows where the geek identification figure has a hard time, like, functioning in society and is right. always spewing references. And I love the fact that when Rufus drops a reference, it's it's one that, A, people understand and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, like, easily accessible and, B, makes sense in the situation. He's not just trying to, like, force it into, like... <laughs> You know, it's, I mean, you know, I want to just drop a reference. I think they have a good grasp of the audience that they're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, Eric Eric Kripke was, was one of the, uh, one of the, uh, originators of this, one of the creators of this, and he did Supernatural. So, I mean, I think he's, he's got a pretty good pulse on, uh, finger on the pulse of, of, of what the fandom is like. Well, I I like the fact that, yeah, the fourth seat, it also acknowledges that Lucy can't freaking know everything she's not going to be you know oh i'm a historian but i'm also a physicist on the side you know? <laughs> I mean, well yeah i mean because even historians specialize right i mean they yeah. they, they know a lot you're about not samantha carter but i know all science i know all history and and it also uh yeah the, the they know their fandom so well that they will have Jaya leave a message in Klingon. Right. Yes. You know. yes. <laughs> that was the best Love thing that. ever. <laughs> well, and it made sense, though, because she's leaving it for Rufus. Yeah. Who's also just as much of a geek. So but, I, it, I, I love that. It clearly states that she says that, oh, don't come after me, which you know in television terms is come after me. Right. Yeah. We're going to come after you. Yeah. But I, I do think it illustrates that they really need a protocol in place for when someone accidentally gets left behind. Because yeah. this, this, I don't think this is the first time. I think it happened in season one. It did too. happen in season one, and they had to yeah. leave the, the, the thing, the rock or whatever that gave off the radioactive isotope that, yeah. you know, that they then dug it up. But now that Mason doesn't have those resources mm-hmm. to, you know, locate that and to dig it up and all that kind of stuff, they had to come up with a new. A new just, way. Just pick a newspaper and be like, leave an ad in the personals, you know, for the time you're back there or something like that. I don't know. They could have. They could, if they spent ten minutes, they could come up with a way to communicate with the future when that happens. Yeah. Well, that's the old. If you remember the show, time, time tracks uh, or time tracks yeah. in time <laughs> tracks, where yeah, he would leave a a, a a message in the Washington Post so that they would pick it up two hundred years in the future. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It worked. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I liked I liked Mason. I liked that they you know gave him more to deal with. Like I said in the first season, he was he was on Rittenhouse's side for so much of it yeah. that I kind of didn't have you know I, I I didn't really like him all that much. But here, when he's dealing with losing everything and he's going through like confidence issues, even on the technical side, and then though him able to make a contribution in the one episode and that kind of turning him around, mm-hmm. uh, even his concern for Gia. You know, with, uh, you know, that situation, everything, and how he feels, you know, kind of responsible, and how he's been paying for the the other pilot's care, you know, all this time. Right, you know, so, you know, I mean, all that stuff, I felt like, really put him in a far more sympathetic light, and and I hope that they find, you know, uh, if they do have a third season, that he's able to take, you know, a couple more trips in the time ship, or if there's more intrigue going on in the present, maybe having him involved in that, or something, just to, to utilize him more. Yeah, he had probably the biggest turnaround between seasons but again it goes back to he was being coerced as well well no i think he he was more greed than anyone else but he tried to coerce rufus and that didn't work right i think rittenhouse had funded a lot of his research and so it was more of a 
know? Yeah. <laughs> we own you. Right, we own you kind of thing. And yeah, and he was, and, but yeah, it was the fact that he really cares for Rufus and that that was, you know, he, he was concerned for Rufus now getting, you know, with Rittenhouse, uh, uh, you know, getting, uh, you know, trying to get leverage on him. And we also had a lot more with Gia, like we've talked yeah. about. But not enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I did feel like Rufus's whole thing of, I'm going to stick my fingers in my ears and go la 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 and not listen to any of this, you know, yeah. was kind of, uh, really. It was just trying to amp up some drama for the mm-hmm. sake of drama kind of thing. Because you, you live in an existence where history can change and you know it. So why wouldn't you want the intel? Why wouldn't you want information so that you could act on it rather than just like, hey, uh, I don't want to know any of these visions that you're seeing. I I just, it bothered me (laughs) a lot. I I think it hinted to maybe if we're going to subscribe to the stream of destiny, that there are certain events, you know, fixed points in time, if you will, that have to happen. Clearly, these people that have these visions, Gia and the other pilot and, oh, and Harriet Tubman, they see Mm -hmm. these events. And so, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like that aspect. It's, I think it's a way of trying to have it both ways of saying, yeah, we can change time, but we can't change these things. These things absolutely have to happen. If you manage to change it a little bit, it's still going to happen, just different and probably worse. Don't shoot the guy. He gets run over by a horse and carriage yeah but the whole the whole idea of that is is i've never liked the idea of the sort of thing where you can change sometime but not all time because the thing is if you went back far enough and changed enough of you know things in the past that are not fixed that will erase your fixed point as well so i i i don't believe in the fixed point it's it's not either either everything is fixed or nothing is I buy it in the sense that it could be time self-correcting itself to prevent a paradox. Yeah. That okay. these things have to happen, otherwise, you know, the universe unravels. Well, if that's true then, though, we're definitely not getting Rufus back. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which I hope had, is not the case. Well, uh, okay, I mean, if you want to jump to that, I think they found a way to jump back. Well, clearly they found a way to jump back to your own lifetime, to your own existence. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe he had to die. It doesn't mean he had to stay dead. <laughs> Oh, so you think it's going to be a resurrection rather than them going back and changing what happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to find, just like with Wyatt's wife, that what they thought was fixed and unchangeable really isn't. But we'll see. Except Kennedy. Oh, God. <laughs> don't start. The Kennedy episode. Yeah, anyway. All right. We're not going to harp on that. But yeah, Gia. And she was awesome when she got stuck in time. She was super awesome. <laughs> I love that. And, and and even though that one didn't specifically highlight uh, any particular, like, historical figure or anything, just showing, like, what conditions were like the, back then mm-hmm. for people living in Chinatown and everything, that was, uh, again, it was another interesting thing for them to delve into of, of just what is life like in this period, in this place. Mm-hmm. So I liked that part of it. But yeah, I mean, Gia had to deal with the visions and had to deal with a lot with, because her visions seemed to be focused a lot on Rufus um, and what was going on with Rufus. Um, so we got more with them going on. and. I just really love their relationship because of that whole geek thing. <laughs> like, two functioning geek professionals. <laughs> like, no show does that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, I, I, I like Gia, and hope that we see more of Gia as well in the uh, in the following season. If there is a following well, season. <laughs> yeah. There will be. Right, I expect that Laura Croft will, uh, will take her along with them <laughs> to fix things, so we'll see. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Gia or Mason even? Loved him this season. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we have Agent Christopher, who got her backstory fleshed up. 
She didn't get a whole lot more to do this season, I think, but she did get a whole episode devoted to her, which I guess is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of a, a good thing, or definitely is a good thing, but, you know, kind of equal to just having a, a bigger role, uh, you know, uh, you know, moderately throughout the season. And, you know, she also uh, got the whole... You could tell Rittenhouse was focusing on her. You could tell because Carol, you know, shook her down in the present, and then, you know, we have a whole thing with them going back to kill her, using using Reagan's assassination as the cover for killing her, which I was like, oh man, that's, that's, uh, I thought that was clever. Anyway, because everybody thinks, of course, that they're going to assassinate Reagan, and that's not, you know, what that was about at all. Yeah. So yeah, we get her whole backstory and her whole family life and everything. You know, it was, and they did, of course, the whole Back to the Future 2 thing of, I've known all along about all yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> And I've had this thumb drive just waiting around, you know, so I could plug it in and see these pictures. And, you know, I mean, that was kind of fun, too, that they that they played with that side of things. And, and that was more Quantum Leap-ish than any of the other episodes, I think, yeah. because it was more about just affecting her personal life and improving her relationship with her mom and getting her to accept, you know, her for who she yeah. was. I think it's kind of interesting that Rittenhouse committed an entire sleeper agent over years for that one event. Well, and this is the interesting thing, because they left a lot of sleeper agents, but never told them what they were supposed to do. They always sent somebody to the time and then said, here's your mission. So it almost seemed like when they dropped the sleeper agents off, they didn't know yet what they wanted them to do, which seemed kind of goofy to me. Well, or they were just not telling them. Well, yeah, but why would you do that? Why wouldn't you say, okay, we're dropping you off in uh, 20 years, you know, mass power, and then in 20 years, do this thing. Why would you do the thing of just dropping them off and be like, see ya, you know, and then come back 20 years later and say, okay, here's because your mission. you don't trust them? Because it's contingent on other sleeper agents doing their part, so you don't want to tell someone to do something until you absolutely know that that's what they need to do and not this instead. I don't know. Mm, yeah. I'll, I'll just say this. The sleeper agents that they get at Rittenhouse, they must just go to, like, the dime store. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because the one guy, because because the one guy, they dropped him off. He became some sort of racing superstar, so that Wyatt yes. even had a poster. And the, uh-huh. but then yeah. they went back later and said, "Oh, by the way, you're not. <laughs> you have to go drive a bomb into this place, you know, mm-hmm. and kill these people." And so he wasn't ever going to become that racing superstar because they said he won it in like 1959, and this was back in 1956. So it's like they let these people like play out their whole alternate lives and then go back and be like, okay, well, this is, <laughs> you actually need to do this instead. It was just kind of weird. Oh, you know, that actually makes sense. You use a mothership, you drop the person off in the past, you come back, you see how they live their life. And then once you see how they live their life, you see what opportunities they had. So then yeah. you can go back a second time and see where they can affect the most change. Yeah, that makes a little like more the, sense. Like Hollywood executive. I mean, you know, he obviously didn't want to go ahead and complete his mission. He kind of liked mm-hmm. the lifestyle that he had already right and he was going to make jurassic park in the 1940s so (laughs) (laughs) oh man but to the point about agent christopher the thing that didn't make sense is why did they use reagan's the attempt on reagan as as cover it seems to me like if you just pick any old nothing else happened that day yeah if yeah if they if they found out oh the mothership went back to you know september you know 28th 1972 and nothing happened that they they would they have no clue where to go or what to do yeah oh that's yeah that's interesting i mean i i was thinking more of the fact of you know because maybe agent christopher might say well wait a minute that's where i lived and they and that's what i was doing and they would be like oh man we it's about you whereas by mass 
masking it with Reagan's assassination, they of course went to, or the, the assassination attempt, they of course went to the bigger historical event right away, like, oh, this is what they're here to do. And didn't even think to, you know, think about what okay. else could be going on at that time and who else was around, you know, and then be like, oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Agent Christopher's there. That's fair. But then the, obviously the next logical step there is, oh, you need to kill someone in New York. So you go back to California and get a flight. That's you know? true. I mean, that is something they never thought about that, that I thought about, at least in missions that are taking place in the 20th century, later 20th century. Yeah. Yeah. Misdirect them. Yeah. Go, go yeah. some crazy place. And then... <laughs> <laughs> then just top a flight. Oh well. Yeah. But well, leaving on while we're still on Agent Christopher, I mean, this is one thing that might be telling in regards to the future of the series itself is that she actually, I believe, has garnered another role for another series. I think that uh, tells you right there that if they're looking for other jobs with other shows or other movies or whatnot that it may not be for long that we have Timeless on the air. Well, yeah. but it's still possible. It does, it's not necessarily true, because Timeless is a short show. It's only a 10-episode yeah, season, good. so it's possible she could do another show, and as long as the schedules don't you know, overlap, she could still do Timeless. That's true. Some of the shows, from some of the stars from Timeless have appeared on other shows as guest yeah. stars and whatnot, and done commercials. And so, yeah, that, that's totally a true point. Yeah, because, I mean, Gia was on Supergirl last season uh, for an episode, so, I mean, yeah, they, they definitely have some time to do other shows because it's a shorter show and and the reality of the matter is any studio that refuses to say whether or not they're going to pick up their show but hold you to your contract probably won't get the best talent uh, with that practice yeah that's true and then we have our core team uh with rufus wyatt and lucy and yes as we mentioned the wyatt and lucy tension uh. <laughs> was kind of rampant i feel like it got resolved a little too quickly like i said i i wish flynn I wish the whole thing with Flynn had been more of an agenda and that he was trying to get to Lucy. I mean, maybe he was, because we never really got what Flynn's motivations were, but I was hoping that he was trying to get to Lucy to achieve some other goal and that he was subtly manipulating everybody in the group. But instead, it looks like Flynn's just having fun messing with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and really has no greater agenda than that. He's just kind of like, well, great. I mean, <laughs> my whole plan was screwed up, and now I'm just going to, like, have fun until I'm Easter mystery. But, you know, I mean, the, the core team... Uh, they, it seemed like everybody got a step forward in some direction. I mean, Wyatt got his wife back, which is probably the least oh interesting of the, <laughs> the directions. Yeah. You know, Lucy, though, took that more proactive stance to history and deciding that, you know, there are some things that can be changed just because they were bad, and since I'm here, I'm going to do it. And, you know, you have Rufus. I guess Rufus didn't get as much to do, but he did get more because they, they were dealing more with people of color in this yeah. season and getting more interaction in that standpoint and that therefore becoming a more important member of the team you know as he was interacting with with people in various times and everything so you know i kind of enjoyed that on that standpoint i, I love the thing about him being an engineer in the one mm -hmm. with the racing episode <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> like, Never well, hear of MIT? Right. <laughs> because that's so true. Because it's like, again, just like Historia and everything else, engineer isn't, you know, just like a, a you know, a, an overall thing of, yes, I can fix any device, you know, mm -hmm. or design any of the device because it's, it's so specific. Um, and so I kind of like that they did that with them. But, uh, you know, with Lucy and, and, and Rufus, I felt like, you know, this season was, you know, was good for them. With Wyatt, uh, I'm not sure I needed the drama. And, you know, in some shows, 
you know, decide to make him a Hydra sleeper agent, and it ends up being awesome. (laughs) And then other shows don't, and it's like, wow, there's a lot of wasted potential here. Because why is just a nothing character? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they, they tried to give him some of that, like they did with Mason, where with the racing episode, where it was something that he was really That's familiar true. with. And that episode, I thought, was a really fun and good one for Wyatt. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Overall, Wyatt's just there to pull the trigger. It's just so limited of a character for him to play and, and to portray. I mean, you're only able to do so much of it in his... He seems like he's confined, obviously, because of what the character he portrays and the fact that he's just this soldier, this mercenary, for lack of a better term, that is not really up to speed with, with all the technology and the science behind what they're doing with with the whole show. Yeah. I like the character, but I won't argue that he's obviously the most expendable of the group. He brings nothing to it that with the addition of Flynn, they don't have better and, mm-hmm. you know, better mm-hmm. looking. So <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. I, I would I would like to d- know people's opinion on that because I, I would have thought that Wyatt has the more classically good looks, but maybe not. Uh, you're, you're wrong there. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think and I think they forced the whole Lucy, Wyatt, will they, won't they? Yes, they will, and it's going to be great just for the, oh, surprise, here's the right. wife. I mean... Yeah. It was so telegraphed and predictable and tropish that, but having said all that, tropes are tropes for a reason because they work. And it did. I mean, they pulled it out in such a way like, oh, I know they're doing this, but maybe you have to do this with every time travel story. But okay, at least it's, I'm enjoying watching it. No, no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm still enjoying the show. Yeah. One thing that I liked uh, about Lucy's direction was that we finally had her revisiting the idea of unintended consequences and the fact that like even though she saved the women's liberation movement that she still that somebody still spoke to woodrow wilson like they needed to that she talked about the fact that that one woman who was the centerpiece of it all originally she was completely gone Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping from sort of a macro level of the plot that that gets us back to an idea of maybe we should fix history (laughs) like even though we fixed the big macro level stuff that we haven't you know there's a lot of little things that we've screwed up and hopefully yeah. they'll find a way of doing that because it still niggles at me that it's like lucy's knowledge should be getting less and less relevant each jump as they change these little things that have little butterfly effects throughout history and that she should soon be at a point where you know if they go back to like the 50s or whatever you know sometime in the recent past that it's like uh i think that this is going on and it's like oh no wait well okay all right this is my theory how for how the series ends if they ever actually do wrap it up they're gonna go back in time and either kill or stop uh, mason from ever even building the time machine mm-hmm. and then bam everything is fixed they'll come back to the time restored as it was where there'll be another lucy another wyatt another uh, rufus who live their lives without time travel and they're mm-hmm. kind of just stuck as outsiders maybe yeah this, i can certainly see that <laughs> it's kind of how continuum ended but hey they can do it again you <laughs> And we have mentioned Flynn. We mentioned that he didn't get, you know, as much to do. I mean, for the first couple of episodes, he got almost zero. They just sort of cameo and like, oh, there's Flynn in jail. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I did like seeing him mess with everybody. I mean, it was kind of fun, but it certainly seemed like the weight of his character had completely come down. Like, he has that little heart-to-heart yeah. with Lucy in the car in the one mm-hmm. episode, and that's about it for as far as, like, emo- like real... Well, I guess there was also the heart-to-heart with Agent Christopher when he's like, 
don't you care that you might be erased from existence? That <laughs> yeah. was a good scene. Yeah. I like this. Um, you know, shouldn't you be having some sort of a crisis? And I mean, it was a good scene for both of them because she was just like, no, there's nothing I can do about it, so I might as well, like, focus on things that I can do something about. But yeah, it seemed like he was just there to be like a, 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 you know, an agent of chaos, you know, kind of just like messing with everybody and ramping up the emotional drama, which I didn't need. But, you know, it was fun having him on the missions and, you know, Rufus especially being terrified of him. <laughs> What's great? Uh, oh, I love the chemistry between Rufus and Flynn was great. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that was the only that was the best benefit of throwing the whole Wyatt uh, Lucy together thing was so that we could get Rufus. I would just I would watch a show of just Rufus and Flynn going back through time. I don't need Lucy or Wyatt. <laughs> well, I am so. I mean, this is the first time I think I've ever liked a character for not doing something. But I was terrified yeah. in the episode where Lucy goes into his room with the with the bottle. Then it's like, oh god, now they're gonna sleep together. And yes, yes. <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't go there. Mm-hmm. And then again, when she wakes up, he's just amused. He's just like staring <laughs> at her. He's just like laughing, like you know. <laughs> you know, I think Flynn thinks they're gonna lose. Yeah. He's just resigned himself to writing it out until the end. Oh, right, and that's what I think. I really think he's just like I might as well just have fun yeah. until I'm erased from existence. <laughs> which is really crazy but i think that he kind of went insane in the first season anyway and i think that we're just seeing like a later expression of that Mm -hmm. yeah i mean for flynn yeah flynn well that's the problem with your theory ryan of of the way to fix the show is that that still doesn't help flynn at all and i feel like whatever like if there ever is an end point that they have to somehow resolve flynn in a way that doesn't leave his family murdered it could if it was a sleeper agent that was responsible for that mm-hmm. yeah and that's another thing they need to play with more and they might if they get the third season is the whole idea of this isn't the first iteration of this yeah. because the mm-hmm. fact that flynn has the journal means it's at least the second iteration through even for the time travelers that they've all done this a time before and so then you get into this weird idea of multiple layers of time of what was the first version like <laughs> Because even their lives are different now because of all the changes. And then in the second iteration, they've changed more things. So, you know, mm-hmm. what does that do to time? So uh, it'll be interesting if they go really hard sci-fi in the next season. And that might depend on if they do move to another network. Because I don't see NBC having them go way too hard sci-fi. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. But if it moves to Netflix or something, maybe we could have something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? Anything else about Timeless that we haven't talked about that you really want to? Jen, how about you? I'm, I'm kind of torn because I, I guess I had, you know, it, it, it's like when it, whenever you, whenever you're able to, you know, not me personally, but, but whenever, you know, we collectively, the fans, save something from cancellation, we have really, 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 really high expectations. It's like, we fought for this and it better be good. And I... And and a part of it was the short season, and part of it was you know the the time that it was on and stuff. But there were a bunch of weeks where I would get to halfway through the week and went, "Oh crap, was was timeless on this week?" No, and I have have to go back and watch it. It just I, I I think that I had set the bar too high. It was still good. It was still enjoyable. But I had hyped it up in my mind that this was just going to be so freaking amazing that it just didn't ever quite 
become appointment television for me. And like I said, every time I went back and watched it, I was like, oh, no, this was good. I should definitely pay attention to when it's going to be on next week. And then, then I didn't. Okay. Yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, I felt like this was better than season one, Head and Shoulders. Mm, I don't know. I don't know what it was about it, but I felt that it was. It was just the JFK episode was the only one that afterwards I was like, uh... <laughs> But no, it's a fair point, though, and that might be why there was a drop-off in viewership this season, is that some people just didn't feel like it, it lived up to the expectations. Well, and, and it was, I, I'm trying to remember when it was being shown the previous season. I, it, was I thought it was Monday like, nights. Yeah, like mon- Monday nights at, at 8 or at 9 or something, instead of, what was this, Sunday nights at 10? No, it was Monday at 10, so it was still a bad time slot last season, oh, okay. just not as bad, I felt, as Sunday at mm-hmm. 10, which is like, mm-hmm. we really don't want anyone watching this. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Gerald, how about you? Was there anything else you wanted to say about Timeless that uh, we haven't gotten to? Well, I agree with what she was saying, is that for some reason, season two didn't fully connect with me as much as season one, so it was an appointment. Yeah, I mean, I think I only saw one of the episodes at its time slot Sunday night this season. It was all for me, uh, watching it the next day, uh, maybe a day after. It was an appointment television and maybe that's not a great sign for the series long term. And if uh, something that it still fascinates me and still interests me every now and then, but I want to see where some of the characters are going as far as uh, what they're doing and, and where they're going as far as for next season. Obviously, we have Emma, Flynn. Those are characters, some of the, the best characters and the best reasons why you should watch Timeless still around. I'm hopeful that... If there is a season three, they're going to develop those characters because I think they've done so much with the central three that there's really not a whole lot of places they can go with those three. I mean, we've talked about already as far as, especially in Wyatt's case, how much more left is there for him to do? Whereas with Emma and Flynn, there's still a lot more you can flesh out over the course of another season. Well, of course, Wyatt's going to become a dad, so he's going to have that on his plate. <laughs> We actually don't know if his girlfriend was lying or not, but you know they could do that. And well, don't don't get your hopes up there because he has to live to grow the beard to come back in time. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the show is about changing history, so maybe that was in that iteration. But this time around, why it's gonna maybe to save Rufus, why it's gonna die. But <laughs> you know that that you know that you that could be interesting. Actually, this is what they yeah. do. They, they, they have present-day Wyatt die to save Rufus, but future Wyatt's back in the past, and it, he can't go back to his future, because if he does, you know, he might vanish from existence, or he'll go back to a future where he's never existed. So Wyatt, from the future, ha- with the beard, has to stay. And now he's got five years of stories and five years of development that they can just say, hey, now this is who I am. I'm a totally different character with the same face and a beard. <laughs> If they go hard, yeah, I mean, that's something, again, if they go hard sci-fi, they could do that. I don't see NBC going that way, but I I do like that idea. Ryan, what about you? Is there anything more that you wanted to say about Timeless? I mean, yeah, I can echo what we've all said. NBC is, like, totally schizophrenic about genre. There's the guy who, whoever makes the decisions about what shows they're going to pick up, loves genre or likes genre. But whichever guy decides where it goes on the schedule hates genre. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, clearly... Maybe they need to get them in the same room to talk together. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't appointment watching for me either. I mean, to be fair, Westworld is going to trump everything for me on Sundays. Mm -hmm. That's just all there is to it. And also, by the time the weekend comes around, 
I've probably got one or two other shows that have just piled up that I enjoy more. Having said that, and also with the caveat that I haven't watched Travelers yet. Oh, you're in for (laughs) treat. Okay, there you go. Well, with the possible exception of that, Timeless is, in my opinion, the best time travel show on TV right now. Uh, I love Legends, but yeah, this is this is hands and feet better time travel wise, at least in so gar- in regards to that that greater story. Mm-hmm. I'll go even one level further. I say on network television, so you know the 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 broadcast television channels. This and Agents of Shield were my favorite two shows this season. Well, okay, if you want to count Agents of Shield as a time travel show. Well, no, I'm, no, I just said favorite shows this <laughs> oh. season on broadcast television, you know, on the on the, the networks. I'm not going, I'm not saying it's my favorite show, but I'm saying it's my the best time travel. Right, show. that's why I said I'll do you one further. Oh, <laughs> my you're, opinion. You're racing me. Right, exactly. <laughs> I really enjoyed the season, and I really enjoyed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, so yeah, um, I think we've talked about Timeless as much as we can. We're getting kind of late here, so let's... Are you saying we're out of time? Yeah, I'm saying we might be out of time, yeah. yes. We are We are less the time that we had in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> Alright, so um, let's say goodbye and let people know where they can find us online, and let's uh, also, if you have any predictions for Season 3, if they get a Season 3, you can throw that in there as well. So, Gerald, since you are our new guest, why don't you say goodbye, let people know where they can find you, and if you have any predictions for Season 3, give them here. Oh my gosh. Um, well, obviously, the easiest one, I'll go out first and say Rufus does come back, and they're going to figure out, obviously, a way to bring him back, whatever contrived way that they're going to do it. I think that's the obvious one. I think I'll go with that as the favorite uh, I want to thank thank everyone again. Uh, appreciate Nathan uh, being on the show with all three of you as well. Just just so, such a great time talking timeless. And I'm hoping that the show will get a season three because I think it deserves that. I think it, it's a show that needs to be fleshed out for at least another season. Just want to let you know, I'm part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Every Monday and Friday, new episodes drop. I'm on uh, the shows are on online uh, radio seven days a week. Uh, we're all part of the ESO network. Every uh, twice a week, we drop new episodes covering the latest in pop culture. I hope you get a chance to check us out. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and also as well, Pop Culture Cosmo on Before I head into a tunnel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Gerald, it was great to have you on. And, and yeah, everybody check out the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right. So, uh, Jen, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online and uh, give any predictions you have for season three if you have any. Okay, so I am a busy person, and I used to do an MCU podcast on a semi-regular basis and realized I could not keep up the schedule. I'm going to have an occasional, just when I feel like it, a few times a year podcast called MCU Excelsior. So that's a thing that's going to exist. But other than that, I just, you know, I just bum around and guest on other people's podcasts and, and hang out, basically. Uh, I'm I'm on all the same Facebooky group type things. Things that, that the rest of y'all are. I, uh, uh, let's see, predictions. Yeah, obviously Rufus is going to come back. I don't know. I feel like there, there, there are a lot of different directions they could go with the show at this point, and I'm not sure I want to even guess which one they're, they're going to go with, but I look forward to seeing it, and I, and I hope that they do get a third season. All right, and it was great having you back, Jen, and thank you for coming on thank despite you. your whatever 
form of death that you're suffering from at the moment. Well, well, I, uh, I, I've been liberally using that that mute button for for every time I have a uh, a coughing fit. So hopefully, n- not too many of those got through. All right. Yes. No, I didn't hear any. So yes, it is greatly appreciated that you use the mute button because it makes editing so much easier. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, so Ryan, why don't you say goodbye, let people know where they can find you, and give any predictions you have for Season 3. Well, until next time, Internet, we're, you're never going to be rid of me. Uh, even when I die, my consciousness will be uploaded, so be ready for that. <laughs> you can find, sure, go to GeekStranger.com. I, I say it every time, and, and this time, things could happen. I might decide to change the font or something. It, it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also find me on Twitter, at GeekStranger, and on all these fine people's Facebook pages and other social media that people over 40 are aware of. You can see me at the occasional convention. Dragon Con will be happening in September. I don't know when this is going to drop, but if it drops before September, look for me there. My predictions for the show. So today, right now, I would say it's a coin flip the the show coming back uh but i think from today on the longer it takes the less and less likely that is uh, i've i mentioned to you nathan that i think a lot of it I, I think nbc's waiting to see how reverie does because i think that's their only other genre show on right now so maybe they're kind of waiting to see if that bombs that they'll uh push the slide this back on in i i don't know but there's just so much good genre out there that nbc might not want to pay for it we'll, we'll have to wait and see but my predictions for the show uh, if it does come back we're going to find out that these visions are all part of some cosmic force or entity or third party, <laughs> no. which is trying to influence events. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not going to be a bartender. No, don't let it be a bartender. It could be worse. It could be the speed force. Okay. <laughs> God, God, no. You're making Please, me, no, you're making no, me no. flash back to the end of Quantum Leap, Ryan. Don't yeah. do that. I'll take the bartender over the power rates of the speed force. Uh, any day, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> So that's my biggest prediction. Otherwise, I think we're going to find that Jessica and Wyatt, Jessica's going to love love Wyatt so much that she betrays Rittenhouse for him and dies in the process. And then he ends up a single father. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that you're right about that one. I know it's weird because I just uh, had you guys all say your goodbyes, but I'm going to give my prediction right now, um, which is, uh, you know, um, I, I feel like or I think that they might bring back Lucy's father and we're going to have this weird, like, written house civil war where it's going to be like, do we join with this one faction of Rittenhouse to help take out Emma's faction of Rittenhouse? And it's going to be one of those weird morally gray kind of, you know, things of these are bad people, but now their agenda is our agenda. You know, do we do we help them? And which would create a lot of crazy dynamics between Flynn and everyone else and the and the dad and all that. So, uh, but of course, yes, and I also agree with everyone that uh, Rufus is coming back. I think that's a no-brainer, and that was just like a shock value cliffhanger kind of thing. So, especially with how they left things uh, with the future Wyatt and Lucy coming back with the intention of getting Rufus back. So, I think I think it's going to happen. But yeah, other than that, uh, thank you all for joining me today. It was a blast. I had the time of my life. Absolutely. It was a great time. Thank you for having us on. And uh, feel better, Jen. Appreciate it. Appreciate being on the show. Yeah, feel better because I know how that is. Just be, oh my goodness. (laughs) That's bad news. Yep. And that is it for our episode on Timeless Season 2. If I had known that the series was only going to be continued as a movie, then I definitely would have waited to record this one until after the movie had come out. As it is, I did try to get everyone back together to just record a few words about the movie, but it wasn't to be. 
I couldn't get everyone together, and so in the end I just decided to release the episode as it was, even though it is kind of late coming out here, but I hope that you enjoyed our thoughts on the series, and I'm sad to see it go. Uh, As far as my thoughts on the movie, uh, I did enjoy it. I felt like to wrap things up cleanly, they broke their own rules too many times, which kind of made it unsatisfying for me. But I liked how all the relationships resolved, and in the end, I found it emotionally satisfying, even if I don't think that they quite hit the nail on the head as far as the plot was concerned. I was really annoyed that they'd never even thought about fixing time, about bringing Lucy's sister back, about any of that kind of stuff. It was just kind of like, uh, well, I guess this is the new reality, and that is what it is. I felt like a historian should care a lot more about restoring things to the way that they should be. But now it's your turn to give us your feedback on what you think of us, and you can do that in a variety of ways. You can email us at everything at 42tas.com. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can leave comments on our website at 42cast.com, or you can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. And once again, I'm going to ask, please, please, please leave reviews on iTunes. It is how people will notice us, and I love to get the feedback, so please send it along. I also want to remind everybody about the ESO Patreon. It is a way to fund the network and all the shows on it, which include my show, The 42 Cast, as well as Gerald's show, Pop Culture Cosmos. So if you can contribute a few bucks to that Patreon, I would appreciate it, and it gives you access to exclusive content. So uh, check that out. In other news, I will be at C2E2 this coming year. I'm not sure exactly when and where I will be there, but if you're going to be at C2E2 and if you recognize my voice, please let me know. Because <laughs> I'd love it if people came up and just said that they know me from the 42 cast. So I hope to see you there. And with that, it's time to wrap things up. So please join us back next week when Seth McFarlane will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing out. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.